3: change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to
0: dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that 3 hour philosophy show change the drive into work in traffic so slow
2: connect the dishes
0: to voices that glow
3: thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
1: Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does
0: Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast.
1: If your home or business has pests, don't stress it.
2: Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
1: That's T E R M I N I X.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback.
0: Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
1: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deckens. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. If you didn't check the title for today's episode, we're diving deep into something very old that remains very controversial in the modern day we're talking about religion. It's one of the oldest concepts in human society. It's uh, been the ruinous subject of many Thanksgiving dinner fights. You name it, religion has been somehow involved. Because it's, you know, when you think about it, thinking about this, guys, it's the first example of the human species attempting to explain why something happens. You know, all the all, like, th- things like, why does the sun come up? Why does the sun sometimes uh, seem to disappear from the sky? Why are we here at all? Where do we go after this? What happens when we die? What does all of this mean? Why? Why, why, why? Uh, Religion attempts to answer those questions and for many people it provides the only answers that they feel confident in and it's responsible for tremendous acts of kindness it's also a been a rationalization for countless heartbreaking atrocities you know it's uh, we have
0: a disclaimer i think we need to put in the front here we do and ben i think your description of the origin of all religion of any religion explains a lot of the conflict that has occurred between religious organizations over the years, because you've got pockets of people living together. Someone or a group of people come up with that explanation of why, in their bubble, uh, you know, miles and miles away, maybe continents away. Another group of people does the same thing, but they have their their own answers that they come to. And then eventually, when those two groups meet, and this is just one example, they have to decide who's right.
2: And yet there's so much parallel thinking, right? They're like kind of like key tenets in all major religions that all align pretty well. And yet it has to be this like spiritual pissing contest kind of it always ends up being that and more than just that. I mean, larger obviously whole wars and uh, uh, genocide and all of these, you know, awful things that human beings do all in the name of my God is better than your God.
0: And that's why we are saying to you listening to this that. We are not making any judgments on anyone's personal beliefs. Nope. And we would never tell. Nope. We would never tell you what to believe. And we're not going to even really tell you what we believe. So we're just going to explore this together in a very, very not secular way in a very even handed will be our attempt. (laughs) There we go. That's our, that's our goal. Pardon my
1: Yoda phrasing, but, yeah, we'll try to be even-handed is what I mean. Yeah, it's, and you guys are raising these fantastic and these disturbing points. And, of course, on Stuff They Want You to Know, we clearly believe that, as Matt said, your beliefs are your own. It is, it is a private thing, and, and no one has the right or the power to, quote-unquote, make you— Believe something else. It is up to you. It is a personal decision. I love the point you bring up about uh, origins of religion there too, because you know a lot of as we'll see um, in really murky stuff from the pale- Paleolithic era, a lot of um, a lot of very early religions were since they were essentially trying to explain things. They were explaining things that were common in a native environment. That's why you would see variations in animal deities, right? They would be based on the animals that are encountered in, you know, in day-to-day life. And so, like, just like you said, Noel, followers of different systems, belief systems, find themselves in... Constant, countless conflicts with followers of other systems from ancient wars to acts of persecution that continue in the modern day. And in many cases, as we'll find, and as you've probably found yourself, fellow conspiracy realists, people of all sorts of faith can live together in peace. You know what I mean? Like your next door neighbor might be an atheist They might follow a religion you've never heard of, but still, they're probably going to be cool to you because they're your neighbor. And it
2: seems to me that this is somewhat of a modern uh, development that people are able to relatively coexist. Uh, Certainly, there are still disputes based on religion. I'm not saying that's not a thing. But, um, you know, all in all, you don't see quite as many large scale conflicts
1: based exclusively
2: on differences in, in religious beliefs. It
1: uh, yeah, it depends on where you go. Uh, in the, also true. Also yeah, true. in every region, right? So this is the origin point for what we're exploring today. Religion, it, as you said, you know, people of various faiths have managed to live together in peace, uh, but they have also, at various, countless, innumerable points, tried to wipe each other out. One hundred percent. Today's episode, we're asking. Were any of these attempts successful? Are there any forgotten religions? And if so, how did they disappear? Here are the facts. To understand that, we have to first understand the state of what we would broadly call religion in the modern day. Regardless of your own personal beliefs, you are probably... Pretty well aware, on some level, of the world's most prominent religions. Uh, if you look at the World Population Review and some good stats as of 2020, Christianity is the is the biggest one in terms of raw population. Two point three eight billion followers, relatively
2: closely followed by Islam uh, with one point nine one billion followers,
0: and then Hinduism comes in with around 1.16 billion followers.
1: Mm, Buddhism
0: is number four at
1: 507 million followers.
2: And then we have uh, what you could probably term other, uh, but uh, there is a loosely defined name for this category known as folk religions, which comprises about 430 million followers.
0: And that leaves a lot of people in another category, which is like N.A., yeah, not applicable. Maybe or not I don't
1: affiliated know. would be one of the ways those are reported, or or cons- didn't respond right, to a or thing. Consider considering oneself broadly spiritual, or you know, other something like that. Uh, yeah, this these stats are tricky because uh, for a couple of reasons. First each of these describes a very a pretty broad category. You know what I mean? A Protestant is not the same as a Catholic, a Shiite is not the same as a Sunni, and over the course of history, there's no shortage of members of the same overall belief system fighting amongst themselves. You know, it can be it, it can be illuminating for someone in the modern day to read read about the various uh, what are considered heresies Disagreements of doctrine in Christianity, because they may seem like a small deal to an outsider, but they're a huge deal internally, and people did die because of these disagreements. It, well, I mean, one
2: person's heretic is another person's messiah,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Well put. And this this leads us to um, this leads us back to the idea of the commonality, right? Because if you're like if you are, for instance. Uh, not a not a follower of Christianity or an adherent to some denomination of Christianity, then it may seem odd to you that various denominations disagree or don't get along. Because you think, well, you have a lot of you have a lot of commonality, right? You you're both uh, you're all followers of this specific Messiah. You all have the you all have some version of the same text. Right. So, why, why won't you let each other coexist? And I mean, even th- three of the world's most well known religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, share a common lineage. And that common lineage hasn't been enough uh, to prevent conflicts. But the, it's the differences in observation, interpretation, and practice that lead to battle.
0: That, you know, that is weird that Judaism didn't make it into that world population review uh article or the the thing that we cited there oh that's true that is that's a, really interesting well it's just a it's a numbers game yeah, I know i just i I guess I imagined that there were higher high i don't know high enough numbers of followers of Judaism that they would it would fit in there but i, I guess uh
1: okay yeah the uh population the world's Jewish population as of uh, this is older stat as of 2010 was about fourteen million total
2: okay yeah it's crazy it's, it's it's like at the bottom of the list uh, above it is something called spiritism i don't even know what that is
1: hopefully it's it's what it sounds like i guess
2: so. i guess yeah that's fascinating yeah that's very very fascinating. And, and it's so interesting too because um you know that that it is such a visible um population as well, like in terms of if you go to like certain areas of New York City or Los Angeles or even here in Atlanta, um, you know, Orthodox Jews population, they definitely tend to c- cluster in certain neighborhoods and uh, are a very visible part of, of communities. So it's very interesting that it would be uh, such a low number.
1: And with people with common spiritual beliefs or cultural background, we find that they do tend, these groups do tend to cluster together because you have you have that sense of community but also, the danger of the large numbers is that when, when a smaller belief system becomes a subject of persecution, whether regionally or globally, uh, terrible, terrible things can happen. And from an anthropological perspective, less than anybody think we're dumping on religion overall, every single religious system you will ever read about, you will ever practice, is itself a priceless monument. To the abilities of human belief, and it's a it's a cultural milestone that cannot be replaced. For for many many people, religion is the single most important aspect of their life on Earth, and so we we know that it it provides things that that people feel they need, uh, and it's been doing so for a long time. Right now, if you were trying to figure out what is the oldest religion that is still around today you would hear a couple of different answers. Most folks will, most scholars will generally agree that Hinduism is the oldest extant religion. I mean, it's still, you know, around in 2021 as we record this, though others will argue that there are some smaller religions that continue today, smaller in terms of population size, like uh, Zoroastrianism. That is a strong contender for this position. It's much less well-known, and it's it's a fascinating story. But let's maybe talk a little bit about Hinduism so we can learn more about sort of the the oldest guy in the restaurant of religion.
2: It is interesting, though, that it doesn't have, like, a founder that you can point to. Right. Uh, I've, I've always wondered that, and there really, really isn't an answer. Um, so it's really hard to trace its origin and the, the provenance of its, um, you know, religious texts uh, and, and doctrine. Um, it's quite unique in that it's sort of like a amalgam of, of, of several different traditions and philosophies. And again, shares quite a few commonalities with, with Buddhism, for example. Um, but uh, it definitely wasn't the only game in town, right. Um, in you know, in terms of the most ancient of religions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it's around today. Hinduism has many, many adherents. Uh, it dates back to you know, like more than four thousand years ago. Most of the most of the followers of Hinduism uh, do reside in India at this time. But while it was around, you know, there were other parts of the world that had completely different belief systems. Many of those have been lost to history. But you're right, Noel, scholars spend a lot of time and effort trying to pin down the beginning of what we would today recognize as religion, and it becomes controversial so quickly. i got to tell you guys the coolest theory I heard um, digging into this. It concerns the idea of Paleolithic religions, meaning belief systems that would have been around in 200,000 to 50,000 BCE. It's hard to even— understand how long ago that was but the coolest claim is this that there were people alive during this time who worshipped bears bear worship sure i think it's hard to hard to wrap our
2: heads around because it's also hard to insert ourselves into the mindset of paleolithic you know humans right yeah. like it really points to the fact that uh, or the idea that religion is sort of this innate thing that doesn't necessarily require like a large amount of intelligence. It just is something that we sort of innately seek is an explanation for why the sun comes up or why the thing does this or why the herds, you know, travel in this direction and and look for things that we can use magical thinking to kind of help us solve day to day problems, especially at a time when it would have been a very harsh uh, life and very, you know, difficult to
0: survive. Well, it's it's not for me it's not difficult to imagine and 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 the only reason why i say that is because if if you try and just close your eyes put yourself in the mindset of a young child growing up in the Paleolithic era and you you know you're born into whatever your family situation looks like whether it's one person to you know a hundred people living roughly together especially if you're Somewhere where there are large mountains or there's, you know, a large open field where you're high enough up and you can see enough of the planet immediately, no matter what your beliefs are, what your understanding is, there's something that says there's this is very big where I am is very, very big. Yeah, there must be powerful things or something, some things that created this. I think we're saying the same
2: thing, man. I think I was just saying, like, uh, I, I have a hard time understanding the idea of, of, of an intellect of, of this kind of early, you know, um, human. But I think you're right. The mind even lacking the structure and the framework to have more complex tenets of religion just seeks out the things that you're talking about
1: kind of innately. There's you know? a scientific basis to it. I'm glad you guys are bringing this up because the. Human species did something incredibly interesting from an evolutionary perspective. Uh, It began to evolve in a way that prioritized thinking, abstract thought, the brain, right? Uh, And the amount of energy the brain takes is, is pretty fascinating because it indicates that humans spent a lot of time thinking right and and becoming tool makers right uh, the the original form of human hunting by the way, this is kind of interesting is called persistence hunting it's just uh, other animals evolved for quick bursts of speed, and then humans just kind of duracelled it or wait, no energizer bunnied it right they kept going and going and going, so we've uh, evolved to uh, specific things, but one one thing that we evolved to is very important is pattern recognition. So I would argue, like, that's, that's how they became such good hunters. So I would argue that um, pattern recognition, in a way, this hardwired neurological imperative, can explain how early humans arrived at explanations for things that we would think of as religion. Because they, were, they literally evolved to say, not just, oh, that happened again, But to say, oh, that happened twice, I wonder if it's going to happen a third time, and if it'll happen at the same time. Let me think about that, right?
0: Just really quickly, think about the first winter that you can remember. Like, if you're in that time, the first winter that you live through that you can remember, the reverence that you would have for the heat coming from the sun at the times when heat is coming from the sun, and You know, you may not even correlate that, oh, I'm warmer now because of that bright thing up there. If you don't have, you know, a language to describe the things, you can at least sense I am warmer when there's light on me and that thing is up in the sky. Um, And then I can see at night to hunt if I have to or to do, you know, things at night because that other thing is in the sky or, you know, that thing in the sky has changed now into this other thing. Um, and I can still see. You you can just imagine that a reverence Gets built up, as you said, with the pattern recognition, Ben. Yeah, that's there. I can you can imagine them culminating,
2: and you start connecting the dots, right? Like between big magic thing in the sky to don't eat this mushroom, it'll kill you because I saw some. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there are these ways you start to connect and and like say, oh, if this sun, you know, thing represents this, then this other thing represents this, and I have to give it uh, homage and, and respect it, or else I could actually literally die because like all my. Brain Brothers and sisters, did you know what I mean? I mean like, like, that recognition. I think is crucial.
1: Well, re- right. religion, I mean, is the precursor of modern science. It is analytical, right in its uh, in its endeavor. And you know, I know it can sound maybe a little bit cold or soulless to to say pattern recognition plays a big part uh, we we do have another episode that you may want to check out if you're interested in these kinds of conversations and that is uh, the the belief that psychoactive substances may have played a role in early religions please do check that out there's some sand to it uh, but I love the opposite I mean you know, as you know, my kind hibernates during winter, so I don't personally know the experience that you're describing, Matt, but I <laughs> get it. I get where you're at. And, and people did, you know, the, the, things, the things that have power, these inexplicable things, uh, they must be explained, says the human mind. We seek to understand them. And so it makes sense that some of the first gods would be things like the spirits of the dead. Um, or avatars of powerful natural elements like the sun, the moon, the ocean, and then later social concepts like uh, contracts, friendship, uh, war, things like that, these inevitable parts of the human existence. And now, I hate to say it, right as of now, uh, a lot of people say there's no evidence that humans or Neanderthals Really, had something they would understand as religious practice or at least as bear worship. I don't know why I get stuck on that, but but because also because it would have be cool. been
0: awesome, yeah.
1: yeah. But also, this is pre like there, there's not written documentation of this time, right? So, it is very, very possible, I would argue, probable that there are things that are religious beliefs, they just didn't make it. To the mo- to modern history, right? So, as a result of that, we see some of the first forgotten religions, and we will likely never know what they were. Uh, instead, when we search at this like point in the distant past, we have to find physical evidence of practices that imply some sort of belief system. Which means, like, what is the first time it looks like someone was buried on purpose? You know that. That indicates something, right, a, a fear, perhaps, of the dead or a belief in the afterlife, maybe. At the very least, a reverence for life
2: <laughs> to some degree, which sort of recognizes, a, to me, a, a spiritual layer, I think, or at least an, an awareness of something like that. What? When was it, Ben? Uh, they discovered the first buried child, I believe, around, what, 78,000 to 74,000
1: BCE? Mm-hmm earliest known homo sapien burial of a child at a cave site called Yasadi in modern-day Kenya. It's in like the southeast of Kenya. Uh, And the the earliest known purposeful burial of a human being at all uh, occurs uh, 100,000 BCE in the Middle East. And of course, countless other people were probably being buried by their loved ones at this time. Like we said, It's tough to know exactly what the logic, what the process, the system was here, but there is that that implies a belief system of some sort. And those those early people were not the only cases. We have to remember that humans are very, very, very good at losing things, and breaking things, and destroying things. Uh, We've lost entire cities before. Uh, Religion is no exception. I can't believe we got this far. Without referencing REM, but we're all we're all kind of doing the REM song, as a species, you know this. One. I'm doing the dance. I'm doing the REM mm-hmm. dance
2: right now. The Michael Stipe in the white, uh, <laughs> you know, collared shirt uh, with the sepia tone background. That video, by the way, yeah. absolutely fundamental '90s art rock video that was copied ad nauseum. Just take a look. Watch, watch "Losing My Religion" and then just think about the '90s and the look of music videos. That is like the prototype, but.
0: Well, that's you in the spotlight. Mr. sure, yes, baby.
1: And, uh, and I appreciate that point because, as we'll see, a lot of religions copy from one another as well or evolve out of one another. But some haven't been simply forgotten. Some religions, you see, have been lost or erased on purpose. We're going to pause for a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive in.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
1: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor.
4: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
1: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Here's where it gets crazy. Yes, religions can and do disappear over time. Some even experience a resurgence and reappear, right? They go underground because of persecution, and then later they emerge when the, whatever, insert regime here, is passed on. Belief is a durable, powerful thing. And I, I would say, you know, it's interesting. I was trying to think of how to phrase this. In the very, very early days of human beings thinking along these lines, it's almost like the concept of religion is itself a conspiracy. You are finding hidden truths, You are encountering illumination and revelation. And then on the flip side of that, religious persecution is a genre of conspiracy all its own. It doesn't like insert the name of any religion you wish, and you will find at some point in history, those people have been persecuted for their beliefs. You also find that people continue very much so to be persecuted in the modern day uh, in horrific ways. And, it's it's weird to think you know if you live in the US it's pretty strange to to imagine a president whatever president you wish going on you know going on TV from the oval office and saying like all right we've we've had it uh, had it up to here with the um uh with the seventh day adventist you know or the baptist they can't they can't have jobs anymore they all have to pay an extra tax and they all have to uh li- live in Cincinnati. all right, God bless America. like but that that kind of stuff happened. like versions of that stuff happened all the time. People would be lower class, uh, they would have day to day restrictions on movement, social opportunities. Uh, this still again continues in the modern day, including like who they can marry, who they can have kids with. and this also of course takes the takes the form of violence up to and including genocide. This is a very real thing.
0: Thinking about it in that context, you can imagine why some of the groups, the religions that we're going to speak about today, operated in secret. As you said, it was, they had to function in a conspiracy to hold those beliefs because you had to be careful about who you talked to about your beliefs uh, because of these dangers. Um, So a lot of these groups would, you know, rather than having a temple, a large temple or, you know, constructing a church of some sort. They would operate underground. You know, they would build a temple under the ground, literally, on purpose, as a way to. Be able to secret away to practice I mean, even d- during the, you
2: know, Roman rule uh, when Christianity was persecuted religion uh, and they had to mark, you know, their meeting places or speak in code using the the fish symbol or, or whatever. Um, there, there are various ways of doing that. But, yeah, I mean, what is now the world's most prominent religion absolutely used to operate in secret and underground or face, you
1: know. Crucifixion. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the exactly that's exactly the case. You know, each and every act of religious persecution could be an episode. Forget an episode. It could be a, an entire series all its own. And what we're going to do is cite several examples of religions that have come and that have gone, and we won't have a comprehensive list of this because, again, there are just so many examples of people doing horrible things to each other and using rationalization for these acts. They have been successful in the past. That's why we'll never know how many religions the species has lost. And additionally, this is kind of funny, I hope this is not me being, like, too soon about it, but this is kind of funny. For some ancient religions, a lot of our information comes from people who hated them. Their regional rivals, their enemies. You run into this um, with, you know, historical biographies of individuals, too, right? Like an emperor dies, and then uh, some archivist or historian or writer wants to Wants to curry favor with the new emperor, and so they're they're like, "Hey, let me tell you some wild stuff about the guy before you." I heard, you
0: know, he eats toes. I, I'm, try- or, I'm trying to make it. The- I don't know, <laughs> just like an example. Or, or a conquering force comes through and wipes out the record, any written record, yes. you know, that existed. So we only know then from hearsay of people who <laughs> rolled through with, you know, weapons. Yeah, the victors go the spoils and the right to tell the story. Right, history
1: is written by the winners. It's uh, That's the one. It's, That's the one. It's a bug for some, a feature for others. But, like, for one quick example of this, the Canaanite religion. If you have read the Bible, which is a pretty popular book, uh, pretty easy to find a copy, then you'll hear mentions of the Canaanite religion and the authors of the Bible, in those sections that mention it clearly do not. They're not down with it. There's not like a. It's definitely not a um like David Attenborough esque kind of observation. <laughs> so, so we are dealing. It's loaded, is what you mean. Like they, they 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 clearly feel a way. Yes, about it. Yeah. There's there's some bias there, and this this is something that we see happen in other in other parts of the world, in other. It, it, parts of time. So, in the if we look at the Middle East, this is a great example of um, a place that is awash in religions that uh, the modern world largely forgot. Uh, it's the birthplace of civilization, you know? So, it makes sense, logically, that there would be an immense density of religious practice in the Middle East. And before the rise of Islam, the Arabic world had this Rich, diverse spiritual ecology, which I think is maybe a little bit of a pretentious term, but it works. The majority of ha- inhabitants in the region until about the fourth century practiced different forms of polytheism, which means a spiritual belief with multiple gods, as compared to something like Christianity, which is monotheistic. There's one God. And even as these growing
0: populations. Well, there, there, there are three. There's one God in three forms
1: uh yes yeah yeah (laughs) just and some of us are 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 probably old enough to remember when the holy ghost turned into the holy spirit right Mm -hmm. in the in the i don't want to call them speeches but you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah yeah. oh and don't forget about the uh saints
1: yes religious syncretism which we also have an episode on religious syncretism is the idea of mixtaping religions so if you want if you are um proselytizing for a specific belief system. The Catholic Church was tremendously talented at this. For proselytizing for a specific belief system, it's really tough to say, to tell people, hey, that thing that you and your ancestors believed, that's wrong. Do my thing instead. Uh, the, the more clever or subtle way to do it is to say, hey, that, you know, that God you are worshiping from, you know, the mountain or from the river or whatever, uh, that's actually this person in my belief system. So we're already, we're agreeing. Let me just tell you more about what you already believe. I mean, yeah,
0: that is your your thing is just a, it's, it's a smaller thing, a part over here mm-hmm. that's really this larger thing that I'm going to tell you
1: about. I can show <laughs> you the world. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, but it's <laughs> way less chill than that because they're also doing this by, like while they're doing this, they're using this, Religious difference as a rationalization to enslave, to torture, to assault and murder people. So it's it gets ugly real quick. But but in the Middle East, you have all these regional polytheistic practices. People have deities that are kind of local to the area. And this continued even as um, populations of people practicing Judaism and Christianity began to develop into significant minorities. Uh, one commonality that these pre-Islamic belief systems had was uh, the belief in a chief god, not a not a single god uh, overall, but like one god above the rest of the gods, whose name was Hubal H e b a l, spelled a couple different ways sometimes. And in fact, it might surprise people you know the Kaaba in Mecca actually was once a um, a repository for, uh, for representations of many of these gods, hundreds of different gods. Their images were housed in there, in that structure in Mecca. And then according to Islam, uh, this structure was originally built by the biblical Abraham, but later people, after his time, people, uh, People went in and put those other idols inside. And then when the prophet of Islam, the prophet Muhammad, uh, gained control of the structure, he expelled those idols. So there's clearly, even in that story, there's clearly like an acknowledgement that other belief systems exist, but they are not the true belief system, and they must therefore be excised from
0: society. Hey yeah, man, you got to tear down that golden calf, all those idols. Get rid of them even that big bull outside of wall street i mean what <laughs> <laughs> what
2: you mean what you mean with the little girl facing him off
0: <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about
1: <laughs> or well at least uh at least that bull i don't think uh i don't think they burned people in it yet which is the what of the accusations right for the bull worshippers, yep. but like we could go, we could see examples of this all, all the time because history really is a palimpsest; it's written over itself repeatedly. So, like, what what about Europe? Right, Europe is considered right now, as we'll see, Europe is considered increasingly secular, but for a long time it was like the um, a huge economic force for Christianity and for spreading um, various belief systems of Christianity. But it wasn't always the case.
2: And then you had all sorts of flavors of Celtic religions. You had Druids and various forms of regional paganism that, you know, had very specific pantheons of gods and deities that they would worship uh, that were very regionally specific and not necessarily a universal language or, or group of gods that, that everyone knew about. I mean, there certainly were the big ones, um, you know, for example, let's say worshiping of um, ancient Roman deities like, like Pan or certain personifications of of nature. I think paganism has always been fascinating to all of us. And it's also very misunderstood and is often, uh, I think, misconstrued with devil worship or, or various you know forms of witchcraft, for
1: example. But it really is its own thing. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's a it's really it's the term itself which comes from <laughs> it's funny cuz paganism like you said is associated sometimes with devil worship quote unquote, but really the the term etymologically means rural. It's like country people. That's that's what that that's what uh it was originally meant and it was it was a term used by Practitioners of early Christianity to apply to anybody who was had polytheistic beliefs in the Roman Empire. Uh, they they were like, okay, that's if you're anything that's not a Christian, you're you're pagan, right? And this this is super unfair to these, as you said, Noel, very specific regional religions that are not. You know, they're not united by a common language, often not united by a common culture. They exist on their own. Uh, And then.
0: And I would. I'm sorry, Ben, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but I I would just say the connection to nature with some of those religious beliefs. It was very strong and possibly because of the rural nature of their lifestyle, the people who followed many of these religions, like the harvest was very important. And you know it was worthy of worshiping a deity that would help your harvest out. Uh, I don't know. I'm just wanted to make that point.
1: Because again, we're everybody we're talking about is is intelligent. They're highly intelligent. They're logical, rational actors. So they're explaining the world in the best way they can. And other people just disagree with their explanations in a very violent way. Uh, if you if you want to get a modern look, this is tangential, but if you want to get a modern look at uh, at pagan-inspired art, I would highly recommend spending some time on YouTube checking out Heelung, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. They're a folk music band from um, Germany and parts of Northern Europe. I'm going to send you guys a clip if you haven't seen them yet. It's, it's awesome. It's the whole nine. I can't recommend it enough.
2: Oh, I I can't wait to check it out. Uh, Another, you know, you're right, Ben, we caveated this whole discussion from the start in saying that, yeah, we we don't have bulleted uh, lists for all of these categories because some of these things were successfully eradicated. Um, But one that I think is interesting and I think it's something that'll hit a chord with all three of us is uh, the snake god Glycon, which is uh, actively promoted and worshipped by the comic book writer Alan Moore, who uh, fancies himself a bit of a of a, of a magician, um, and he wears a ring on his hand that is this kind of like intertwined snake, um, you know, image. It almost looks like uh, Orin from um, the Neverending Story series, the the the, the seal, this the metal thing that's on the book. Um, but yeah, Glycan was a. Pagan deity that was Worshipped and it was a cult that was Very um, uh, influential When the Romans were Trying desperately to eradicate all of These types of religions and they were Relatively successful in being Able to continue their traditions and Staying underground um, and obviously that Has persevered today even if it's not Super mainstream at all and it's funny Because Alan Moore actually refers To this it's almost like he's doing It as a gag or like a Kind of like um, a satire a satirical form of religion. Cause he refers to it as a hoax deity, but we do know there is evidence like back in ancient Macedonia, even, you know, of, uh, cults or groups rather, you know, the term cult is so loaded. Um, but you know, it can refer to, I guess, a small group of devoted followers that worship a particular individual or deity. Um, and of, of these individuals actually worshiping a real serpent that represented this, uh, this, this God glycan. So, you know, Alan Moore, whatever his intentions are, uh, whether tongue in cheek or sincere, he is keeping it alive and it has made enough of an impact and stuck around long enough in the historical record to, to be around today. So I guess they did something right in not becoming one of those casualties that we're, we're talking about today.
1: And sometimes um, people who come in later generations will use whatever scant resources or uh, other documents are available to resurrect an ancient religion. And this was really common in the days of theosophy and the age of spiritualism. People would have these discoveries or these revelations and they would say, I'm not introducing a new religion. I'm bringing the old one back. You know, uh, this this was an attempt to, in many cases, acquire some sort of street cred in a way. But but you're right. And that's that's an excellent example of of a really common practice. What we're saying is that Europe the European continent at this time was incredibly varied, right? And there wasn't the sort of religious uniformity that Christianity would later seek to impose and largely successfully. Uh, And that's kind of ironic itself, right? Because uh, as you'll recall, Christianity itself was persecuted throughout most of the history of the Roman Empire. They were were the bad guys. And uh, while we're on the subject of cults, one thing that's interesting... You can see definitions of tactics that modern cults use, but if we're talking about this, maybe the best way to define that is by um, a religion practiced in secret, right? Uh, That has mysteries, mysteries that are unavailable to the uninitiated. And this is where we go to some more... I, I am so compelled with these, I'm so interested in Manichaeism and Mithraism. One of the extreme examples of religious persecution uh, occurs with this first one. Manichaeism, founded in 3rd century AD, had this uh, dualistic cosmology. So, life, your existence, about two things. A struggle between the spiritual world of light, that's the good side, and the evil material world of darkness. This religion went viral. Kind of. And it, you know, these belief inherently is mimetic, right? So this religion spread like wildfire, but it was successfully stamped out by the Roman Empire. And right now, as we record, there's an interesting plot twist because there are growing rumors that some form of Manichaeism may persist in isolated areas of China. There's not enough research out there to say for sure yet. But again, belief, powerful, durable, hard to kill. And it's,
2: it's similar to Zoroastrianism, I believe, um, in that it, and also, I guess, Gnosticism, where it has its own mythology that, that is very unique to the belief um, and its own kind of innate philosophy. Uh, I mean, you know, we've done a whole episode, I believe, with Joe McCormick on Gnosticism, um, and it's sort of interesting twists on uh, deities we might recognize, you know, from other religions. But the idea of uh, having a whole mythology that's unique to a belief system I think is, is very fascinating, even if there are overlaps and especially key points that are very similar between the different beliefs. But yeah, it looks like the Romans did a fine job of stamping this one out. Fascinating
1: that it would still be around in certain tiny
2: Maybe. areas of China.
1: Maybe, right? Maybe. Yeah. And uh, Zoroastrianism, just a quick note there, um, was, was in play at this time. Uh, Zoroastrianism had more followers in terms of raw numbers, but Manichaeism was, uh, could be, for a time, it was arguably more successful because it spread further, you know, made it out to China, and then it also uh, counted among its members some high-ranking
0: political figures. Mm-hmm. Guys, I, I don't, I, I think that's really important, the high-ranking political figures, because that leads right into some of my personal beliefs about Mithraism, but I, I okay, I won't bring it up here remind me to talk about something before we finish talking about Mithraism, okay? Okay. All <laughs> okay. right, you got it. Yeah, yeah okay. so let's, let's go
1: to Mithraism. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Mithraism is a mystery religion. It was a mystery religion. Again, that, it, you know, and it's, it's a cult because they practiced in secret. And you were, if you were not a follower or a member of Mithraism, if you weren't going into that underground temple in secret, then you wouldn't know what their rituals were. You weren't supposed to. Uh, they, We you do know they worshipped a deity named Mithras, which is Akkadian for contract. And Mithras was the god of friendship, order, and contract. These folks were super, super duper into secrecy. Uh, this cult begins um, late first century, and it spreads from the Italian peninsula to border regions, all of, and then all across the Roman Empire, Right now, there are no written narratives or theology from the religion itself. It's still, though, the Roman Empire, right, they also wanted to stamp out things that they thought were subversive or a danger to the status quo. And Mithraism, for a time... I kind of had a—it was kind of an exception because uh, the followers of Mithraism supported the Roman Empire, uh, the the people of power, you know. And although they conspired,
0: they were, you know, in general, they were seen as not
1: a uh, subversive
0: force. You will find videos across the internet and writings that say the cult of Mithras exists today— And I believe it's because of that connection to friendship, contract, and order. Because it really does speak to big business, essentially, to uh, large markets working together. Um, You can see how the beliefs that we know of that the cult of Mithras had would translate really well to a group of people working together together. To build empires, to like the Roman Empire, to build um, uh, monetary empires, you can see why this belief, at least in the modern age, that this group persists. You can see, you can see why people would think that maybe sure uh, you could. Was, was that
2: the thing we were supposed to remind you to talk about?
0: Uh, no, that's okay. I, I know we're we're running long here already. Uh, the thing I wanted to talk about is that many of these religions, like uh, Manichaeism that we were talking about there show this dualism that I think is really fascinating sure. between, so you've got the light and the dark, right? That mm-hmm. You can see that mirrored in a lot of religions, even ones is, that exist today. Is Yaldabaoth going to show up in this? Uh, well, well there's, there's some in here, not necessarily these two that we're talking about right now, but there some of these that have been lost that supposedly had a tethering between the plane of matter, this physical plane and a spiritual plane where there were two versions of you of an individual that existed simultaneously uh, in both planes, essentially like a multiverse and kind of situation. Almost uh, for me, for me ver- yeah. <laughs> it me, verse a duly Yeah. For me, it's more, it's closer to simulation theory. Almost like there's a version of you or, an intelligence that is a part of you that exists on some other plane that manipulates this one or that this one manipulates that one. I don't know. It's just fascinating to me.
1: Before we... Agreed, Matt. Before we go to break, uh, I got to ask you, Matrix 4, what's your position? <laughs> I
2: don't know. Matrix For... 2 or 3 weren't that great, in my opinion. So, we'll, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be cool. A long time's has passed. I hope it's good.
0: I... Am purposefully removing myself from any and all materials coming out about it, and I will watch it when it is released. All right, and I'll tell enough. you after that. <laughs> last Fair thing,
2: enough. last thing. Sorry, I know we keep having last, last things. Uh, Mithras, do you think there's any connection to the uh, mystical material in the Lord of the Rings uh, books, Mithril? The like, it's like a, um, a chainmail that can't be penetrated. No Possibly.
1: Comment. Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I have to ask a Tolkien scholar, but yeah, um, maybe uh, we, we should ask uh, <laughs> uh,
2: Stephen Colbert. There Everybody, you go; he would probably know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's take a let's pause for word from our sponsors. Uh, I'll text Steve, uh, and then we'll we'll come back if if he gives us an update.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty five years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
4: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
1: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
4: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
1: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. All right, we have returned. Uh, Steve, Steve texted me just like a weird emoji. So I'm going to have to dig, dig into Tolkien to figure out the etymology there. But he did, you know, he, he did spend a lot of time working as a linguist, you know, in the construction of those worlds. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are echoes. Uh, this, this is the big moment here. We've talked a lot about um, various religious conflicts. We've talked about how religions get suppressed. We've talked about how some religions can suppress others or at least people who claim to practice those religions will use a religion as an excuse to oppress other people. But we promised you we would talk about times where religions have been erased. This is almost a parable now. It's it's a story that I think we all enjoy. Uh, It's fascinating. It happened long enough ago that we can laugh at the hubris of it. But way back in the day, Egypt straight up erased an entire religion successfully and purposely. Well, not all the way successfully, because we know about it today. But they did their best, and they did a really good job. It's something called Atenism, A-T-E-N-I-S-M. It's a religion centered on a sun god named Aten. It was debatably monotheistic, but it's probably better to say the... Followers of this belief system, the followers of Atenism, believed that other gods could exist or were believed to exist, but that Atenism and Aten himself was, you know, the main deal, the primary uh, spiritual entree. It was Egypt's state religion for just 20 years in the 14th century BCE, and it's all because of this pharaoh named Akhenaten. He, he uh, over his reign, he... He founded this cult himself. It was kind of about Otten, but it was really all about how important he was in the religion. It's a very self serving religion because, um, you know, how in the Catholic belief system, the the clergy is your connection to God, right? And that's big doctrinal difference between uh, some other denominations of Christianity and Catholicism. Uh, in this belief system, in this cult, there was only one guy who could talk to God. Yeah, it
0: a single, was a yep, single <laughs> conduit, and he lived at the top of that giant building. Uh, but you know, he was closer to the heavens or whatever. But yeah, you could totally see how it was a bit self-serving. Even it, what if it was the real? What if autonism was the real, true religion? That oh, was the boy. one.
1: <laughs> well, we Whoops. missed the boat on that one, Matt, because uh, as soon as he died later rulers with the support of the people threw this stuff in the garbage, you know. After he passed away, his cult enters a decline, gradually at first, but then at a pretty hectic pace, the pre-existing beliefs return because he's fighting against thousands of years of tradition and culture. And we were talking off-air about this, uh, but it reminds me of, like, Coke 2, or New Coke, when that came out in the 80s. There's a conspiracy about that as well. I don't know if you guys have heard this, that apparently was made to distract people from changing the recipe of original Coca-Cola. Not confirmed yet, but anyway, this guy's move was tremendously unpopular. Um, Folks, imagine... Imagine you have, uh, you have friends that you get together with and you, like, you play a game every week. It could be Magic the Gathering. Maybe you have like a jam band or maybe you have like um, Dungeons and Dragons or Borgate, whatever. You know, COD, it doesn't matter. You get together every week and then one of the people you get together with every week uh, is the, they say, I've got a new idea. We're going to play a game. It's, it's about me and I'm the only person who can win, okay? We're all going to play this game. The minute they're gone, you, you guys will be like, that's wacky, what is wrong with this person? And this guy only got away with it because he was Pharaoh, you know? Because he was the Pharaoh at the time. So as soon as, like pretty much as soon as he's dead, the coming Pharaohs destroy temples, all the temples that are built to this guy or most of them, and they don't just destroy them, they take, the building blocks and they use it in other construction projects and they take some of that, they take some of those blocks and they build new temples to the god Amun, who was the god they liked the whole time that this pharaoh was making them cosmologically kiss his butt. All hail Amun, man. Yeah, well, not that, you know, it's not like uh, pharaonic rule was a uh, anything like a bastion for democracy or something. This is... He's an interesting example, but don't think other other pharaohs were all you know heroes in comparison, right? It's yeah. just really weird that you could have like the hutzpah of that. You
3: yeah, know? yeah,
0: yeah. No, I agree. But if I've learned anything from Stargate, it's it's that uh, you know Am- Amun Ra is an extraterrestrial and uh, has a cool spaceship. Is this Stargate <laughs> the, the series or Stargate the singular motion picture?
2: Pretty sure I mean, this was the movie. The yeah. yeah. Got yeah, it, it, it was good. It, it. The, it was good, yeah, with the guy from the crying game in it.
1: Mm-hmm. But in, in short, you know, what happened is that it seems the people of the time weren't really digging this concept. And even though they didn't even though they weren't into it, uh, you'll find some scholars that conjecture the 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 rough concept of one God over others or later even just the concept of monotheism, a single god uh, to rule them all, uh, this concept may have gone on to influence other later religions. So... In a way, the shadow of Aten may still be extant on the earth.
2: And I just wanted to bring something up. I was considering asking to have it taken out, but I, I think I'm I'm, I'm not. Uh, at the top of the show, I, I mentioned how, hey, at least things are a little better now. People don't, like, beef over religion as much as they used to. And that's certainly, I think, partially true, but it's also, I mean, we're talking about things that have happened in, in 2011, you know? I mean, with, uh, with ISIS trying to, you know, literally murder people for not converting to Islam. And uh, obviously the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians, all these things are very, very real. Maybe they're more isolated and smaller groups, but there very much still is a uh, conflict between people of different faiths. And the question that I think that leads to is, are there religions that exist now? The, the big five or whatever, uh, however many there were, I think I think it was four
1: plus other on a long enough timeline that might be wiped out in the future. Yeah, will modern religions die out? The, again, we've just got a few examples illustrating a much larger concept, but the answer is conclusively, yes, some religions have died out. Uh, yes, some have been the victims of conspiracy, and they have been purposely erased from the earth. But the process may continue today in two ways. One. Uh, one is one is kind of new let's talk with, about the new one in 2011 the bbc reported on a study or several studies that said nine countries seem set to overall say goodbye to religion and become increasingly secular not by persecuting religious people it's just more and more residents of those countries are less it's less and less of an important part of their life you know they're they're the people who might say uh you know i I'll go to I'll go to uh, church or temple if it's a big holiday and my family makes me. But I don't think about it every day. Uh, interesting quote I found from Richard Weiner of the Research Corporation for Science Advancement and University of Arizona. He says, "Quote in a large number of modern secular democracies, there's been a trend that folks are identifying themselves as non-affiliated with religion." In the Netherlands, the number is forty percent. The highest we saw was in the Czech Republic, where the number is 60%. And this is, you know, this might be depressing to some people who consider themselves very religious. But if you look at all the bloody conflicts of the past, this is kind of a peaceful rise of secularism. And I would argue it's better than the alternative, which would be religious persecution or persecution for people not being religious, for being um, apostates, you know, or atheists.
0: You know, I don't I don't want to go back to Night City too much guys, but it just I, one day what if religions are completely taken out of the picture and it's corporate per- persecution.
1: Yeah, like the THX, what was it 1138? Mm-hmm. It's a great scene with that. Yeah, it, you know, that's I, I think that's a really good point um that we should come back to remind me before we wrap cuz I got a I got a pitch for you guys. We've certainly
2: talked about the the idea that money Uh, and wealth uh, and the belief in all of these things is in and of itself its own kind of faith uh, and its own kind of thing that can govern people and that in many ways can be stronger um, because it's tied to, you know, results. It's very results-driven, you
1: know. Right. And there's an argument there, uh, an idea that is controversial to some, but it's the concept of religion or a belief system as a kind of technology and if, that, if we look at it through that lens, then it's understandable uh, that people may misuse that technology for their own ends, just the same way you would with fire or with a knife. Uh, and, you know, we said there are two ways this is happening. We give you the newest way, peaceful rise of secularism. Uh, and now the, the, the problem is that the second way we're going to mention is the tried and true, the Coca-Cola classic of religions dying out, which is violence. Uh, in 2014, ISIS launched a genocide against people of the Yazidi faith. Uh, they also called them devil worshippers due to specific aspects of their doctrine. And, and they, I very poorly
2: alluded to this earlier <laughs> and cited it as 2011, but this is – absolutely, this is – Oh, the, they were – I mean, the, they
1: were still – trying to kill them in 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is
2: a very specific event. So this is, yeah.
1: uh, Yeah, they killed thousands, as many as 5,000 men who refused to convert to Islam. They enslaved thousands of others. Uh, This was so extreme that today, thousands of women who are enslaved and trafficked remain officially missing. And this, like, this is, this is a real world thing. This is a real world impact. And right now, at present, Billions of people around the world consider themselves members of one faith or another, to some degree or another, and that doesn't seem set to change anytime soon. And no one is saying that it has to, or it should. At least none of us are saying that because, you know, some some of the folks in the crowd today, you know, you know that membership in a spiritual community can bring great benefits, both physical and mental. Look into blue zones, the parts of the world where people tend to live Uh, much longer than others. Uh, Community and a sense of cohesion is a huge part of that. Not to get personal about it, but I often wish
2: that I were more able to be more religious. I grew up, you know, in that world, and then I kind of abandoned it. And it's not something that's part of my life. But I see people that are what I would consider good examples, positive examples of people that have faith. And it does seem to make them happier. And it does seem to serve a very functional purpose in their lives. Um, And sometimes I I feel like that's missing. (laughs) And And I kind of, you know, wish that I were more in that mindset. So there are absolutely physical benefits and mental health benefits to, to
1: following a certain religion and the way it guides your life and makes you a, quote-unquote, better person. And, I, you know, I I had a difficult time researching this episode because I didn't want to put uh, – because we're talking about people who are like, no, do my thing. So I didn't want to talk about my, my old stuff, but I think we're hitting on things that everybody can – on some level, identify with, you know, and and we're trying to be respectful about this because uh, the, not to like quote Arby's, different is good, but the, the variations in belief systems, uh, you know, can help humanity learn to look at itself in new ways, its struggles and its triumphs. But the problem with this is that the, Right now, from what we understand, the existence and importance of religion inherently means that there will be uh, practices of persecution and oppression that follow it like a shadow. Those seem set to continue, even in countries with laws explicitly banning abuse, harassment, or persecution based on faith. You know what I mean? The U.S. has laws against this, and religious institutions are still getting attacked this is This is a huge issue. I mean, we could say let 's hope that humans can learn to dwell on commonalities rather than differences. Biologically, everybody listening to this needs the same basic stuff, psychologically or socially, like to your point, Noel, humans also tend to want the same kind of mental experiences, right? You want safety, you want a sense of belonging you know, to something larger than you and being an important part of it. You want to sense that you're making the world a little bit of a better place, at least for your loved ones, at least giving your kids a better shot than you had. That is like, it doesn't matter what your belief system is. That is what most people actually want. And if we can recognize that and we can appreciate it, it's an inarguable common ground, then that might be the best defense against these ongoing conspiracies to persecute or attack people because of their religion in the modern day. I yield my time. Sorry. Yes. You know, no, it's wow. Um, I
0: absolutely think Absolutely we'll,
1: excellent points.
0: One of the only other things we can all agree on is that horsey sauce is far superior to Arby's sauce. Oh, God, yeah, what even is Arby's sauce? I, I don't
2: understand. Uh, not a fan, but I do have to give a shout out to their marketing department because they are very clever. They, oh, they're yeah. one of the like foremost, like snarky um, social media feeds in all of fast fooddom. Um, but we I'm, have
0: the meats.
2: They had a venison burger for a while too. I was sad Ooh, that I couldn't get to it. I didn't know about that. Um, but this is all f- certainly food for thought, and whatever your religious persuasion is or lack thereof out there we would love to know what you think um do you think that religions are going to be continuously in conflict until time immemorial um or is is it going to kind of become more of a mono uh culture in terms of like like i love your idea matt of either some sort of techno uh religion that that everyone is invested in maybe by force
0: or just by virtue of social evolution yeah i'm calling it now it's the cult of Arasaka, 2070. I don't understand that reference, but I it's like all good. it. It's all good.
1: So let us know what you think, and let us know—this is something we didn't have time to get to today because we're running long, but let us know whether you believe, as some do, that there are secret religions existing, kind of like the cult of Mithras in the modern day. You know, yeah. maybe did some go underground and just never come back up? If so, what are they? And do you have an
0: address yeah. where we can go and visit them?
1: Anywhere but Bohemian Grove. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we try to make it easy to find us online. Find us on the internet, in the usual
2: social media places of note. We are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram you can also reach us via a telephone number.
0: Yes, our number is one eight three three s t d w y t k When you call, give yourself a nickname or you use your real one that 's fine, but be careful <laughs> Let us know if you can use what you say on air and uh, if you want to say anything personally to us, please leave it at the end of the message. Let's see, if you've got a lot to say and you want to send supplementary links or anything like that, the best way to get that to us is to use our good old-fashioned email address. We are Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.